National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. NAVA in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. For this episode, we discuss the Fake Art Harms Culture campaign. The Fake Art campaign is being run by Arts Law, the Indigenous Art Code and Copyright Agency to introduce policies to protect Indigenous artists against fake art being made and sold in Australia. For this episode, we speak with Gabrielle O'Sullivan, Bibi Barber and Judy Grady about why this campaign is so important and how artists and arts workers can get involved with the current parliamentary inquiry. The fake art campaign estimates over 80% of Aboriginal products sold in Australia are not authentic, meaning they're not made by or credited to Australia's Indigenous peoples. It is important that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples' rights are protected, and this means stopping the fake art and holding companies individuals and dealers to more transparent and ethical processes. The campaign is encouraging artists to make a submission to the inquiry. For more information, search Inauthentic Art on the Australian Parliamentary website. This discussion was part of the NAVA Book Club, held during Art Spaces Volume Another Art Book Fair 2017. Stay tuned for the next podcast from this event which will discuss Indigenous protocols, policies and critical methodology. My name is Judy Grady. I'm the Manager of Visual Arts at Copyright Agency VizCopy um, and the Visual Arts team is responsible for delivering VizCopy licensing services to visual artists and those who wish to use the artist's work. And we also manage the resale royalty scheme for visual artists. I'm Gabrielle Sullivan. I'm the CEO of the Indigenous Art Code. I guess the code exists to give artists a fair go and to try and ensure that there's transparent dealings with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists when it comes to selling their artwork. And my name is Bibi Barber. I'm from Arts Law and I'm the coordinator for Artists in the Black. And I will say that um, Arts Law is the only national community legal service that um, pretty much helps all the artists through the legal mains. And, um, and regarding the Arts in the Black program, that is national and it's there to help artists to the contracts, information about protecting their work and wills and also a cultural awareness that we make sure that they understand exactly their rights. campaign is just so crucial because you know as as creators as, as an artist myself you know to 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 be in the middle and see 
all the information, the back, you know, the background information who in this industry and and the artists that are that have been ripped off, and most importantly, the consumers, they've been ripped off to the max. Yeah. And it really puts a shadow over my culture. Yeah. Because it's always saying, well, you know, is it authentic? I mean, I'm getting that asked now. Is it authentic? I mean, that's just a suck and face. So, you know, it's serious, and it's really something has to be done. This is why the campaign is so important. And so well, what's involved campaign. in the fake art campaign? What have you guys done and been doing and what's next? Well, say how it started. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you've had the privilege of starting it and I've come on in the last eight months to kind of help this well, year. I mean, we did, We started it in the sense of this fake art arms culture campaign, but I think it's important that you know, artists have been trying to stop this from happening decades and decades yeah, and that's why we've got the one jack mm. marika quote there because that's from 1975 and i guess not a lot's changed mm. and mm. we can include that like we've got permission from the marika mm. family to use that and as part of this campaign well gabe but originally phoned me really in response to just you you had numerous yeah numerous contacts from mm. aboriginal artists who just said do something. do something about this so mm. It sort of built up and built up to the point that Gabe then was in discussion with Arts Law and then ourselves to say, look, you know, what do you think we can do? Yeah. Because yeah. I, artists were like, oh, I know the code does stuff about do artists get paid fair, paid fairly, but this isn't just a fair payment thing. This is a, like, rip-offs and fakes and so mm. who's going to do anything about that? Mm. And I think it was, you know, it's something the code should play an advocacy role in, but definitely. it definitely Arts Law and Copyright Agency and... They were just sort of the immediate orgs around and we said hey what do you reckon and then we just sort of cobbled a bit of funding together through all of the peak arts like orgs for the art centers ANCAR, DESART, um, UMI Arts, IACA, HWA, KU Arts, Gab Tatui on Thursday Island all chucked in a bit of money and that's when we went out and started purchasing all of the products so the process for that was going to the rocks and east circular quay um swanston street queen vic markets paddy's markets smith street mall todd mall um later on cans and just other places where you'd see it and asking every single seller the same questions and that was from like a place that was very obviously a souvenir shop some some museum shops markets but also other places that were galleries and Again, I think it's that we might not call it a gallery because we've all been involved and participated in sort of the fine art end of the market. But if you're a tourist getting off a cruise ship and you walk into a big space and there's paintings on the walls that are for sale for thousands of dollars, you call that a gallery. So, you know, galleries. And, yeah, just asking the same questions. Like, who's the artist? Where are they from? What's their language group? How does the artist get remunerated? Um, can you give us some background and so that's all being documented all of that information and you, we got mixed responses we got is it public no not yet I mean it's published in the sense that it's informed this information yep. stand mm -hmm. it will come out when we make our submission to the parliamentary inquiry some of the information will need to be de-identified as yep. far as the businesses we just need to think about that um, and look, we could do that at a much more in-depth level. I mean, if we had the resources, 
you know, even if to choose a postcode area, you know, if you did just choose the rocks, East Circular Quay or Darling Harbour, mm. and you went, okay, there's 40 shops here. And of these, there's 40 shops that sell some sort of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander merchandise or product. Of those 40 shops, 15% um, of them are selling stuff that we're absolutely certain is authentic. This many of them are selling this other product. You know, just to, to get a bit more of a sense of what's on offer because we don't have any I guess we've got the data from those experiences but it's not it, nobody's sort of looking at baseline data or figures for sales amounts or any any of that we, so if it's got a red dot we like the red dot means we think the product is fake or inauthentic the arts mm. isn't attributed the product is made overseas it doesn't mean it's sold yeah we were told it wasn't made by an aboriginal artist and we are confident that no licensing fee was paid to the artist the orange dot means we aren't entirely sure and that we have some questions about the product the seller told us it was made in australia by an aboriginal artist but the same product was available in another shop where we were told it was made in indonesia the label on the product gave unclear or confusing information and the green dot means it's fine. No Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists I know call themselves authentic. I guess that's the word we use because mm. we don't have another word to use, you know, to explain it. So yeah, that all of that, those products were purchased. But at the same time, it, we went and purchased products that were absolutely 100% authentic. So. You know, for every um, inauthentic clapstick, you can go and buy the real clapstick made by an Aboriginal artist. The same for boomerangs, the same for um, Yudaki didgeridoo, the same for, you know, a fake T-shirt from China, a, a real hand-printed, um, screen-printed T-shirt from Tungandir in Alice Springs, and the same for the, you know, fabrics and everything. The thing is, it was very hard to access any of that authentic product and merchandise in the shops and galleries that were targeting tourists mm -hmm. in the places I visited. Sure, if you go to the Museum of Contemporary Art shop down at the harbour, you can get, you can get the real stuff. stuff. But it was really, that stuff wasn't on offer. And so to purchase that, it either meant going directly to the art centre or going to a gallery or shop that I knew had relationships with um, either independent artists or Aboriginal owned and governed art businesses or going to the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair or the Cairns Indigenous Art Fair. What's the Senate inquiry that's happening now? What's your well, so that's a parliamentary inquiry. Yep. And so that came into being from... Look, I think a few things triggered it. So the, the campaign first launched at the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair in August last year. And then there's been a lot of positive media, which has been great. We haven't really had to look for the media. They've come to us. Then in January this year, I think it must have been an interview on AM, on ABC, and Bob Catter heard it. Mm. And his chief of staff contacted me and said, oh, Bob Catter wants to put in private members bill to stop the fake stuff. And we're like, oh, okay. Wow, we didn't think that's where the support was going to come from, but you know, great. <laughs> there you go. Um, so Robin was so, like, "Yes, okay. yeah." So if that's what Cattle wants to do, so very quickly, um, you know, we, we contacted his office. We got have had excellent pro bono support from the competition team at Allen's Linklaters, yeah. and his staff have been great. His drafter, and we had conversations about. He wanted to do it very quickly, like within one week. So I think it was just 
and then copyright agency well, injected funding. Well, it was sort funding of in to support yeah. us to but sort of work through it. But it was interesting timing because we'd actually planned a, a planning day and we had um, Indigenous board members mm. from all of our boards um, coming together and, and some you know other people. And then it was like Bob Catter wanted to join us, so yes. he did. So, so he, did. <laughs> he came down And we were like, well, OK, we'll all be here next Thursday and that worked for him, so... Yeah, it all Thanks. happened from there. But then it came out pretty quickly, didn't it? The yeah, um, yeah it happened really his, quickly. Uh, February this year. So ArcSource got their submission getting ready now being drafted, and um, it's just been an incredible, you know, experience to see that um, when we go around to some of the art centres and we do our workshops, you know, various art fairs. It's really good to inform the artists that are there from the different centres and to encourage them to put their submission in too. And I think the overall response was a fantastic one was when um, in Cairns, where we had the likes of Terry, you know, with the copyright agency having oh, and Rhoda Roberts and, and Rhoda Roberts. So Julie you know, Watson. having having really strong Aboriginal women that are very well respected in the community to start saying, okay, we're getting we've had enough of this. Something has to be done. So it's it's kind of like okay with us in the black, it's that cultural connection that arts law has, and that be able to get through to the indigenous <coughs> community and specifically artists to say you know let's pull together, and this is where you know we're here to facilitate and help advocate with um, with with our, the copyright agency, and um, we are for it. And the the other the other key thing with Catter's bill as well, like we never thought Catter's bill was going to get up. But that meant that we could get to Canberra and get an audience with MPs that otherwise would have been difficult to meet with. So when we went for the, the reading of the bill, um, Lisa Wadigo came. You had that. like eight meetings that yeah. day, didn't no, you? No, we it had 14 insane. meetings 14, that day. sorry. So we met with... Um, oh, yeah, because some 14. of them only lasted 15 minutes each, yeah. right? Yeah, but then others, you know, some of the ministers, like we were in with Scullion for an hour, we were in with wow. Ken White for an hour, yeah. we were in with um, Tanya Blibersek for half an hour. Who else did we meet? Mm. Anthony Albanese, Tim Hammond, um, Byfield's advisors, mm. um, the Prime Minister's mm. um, senior advisor. <clears throat> so we met with, if it wasn't a minister, it was sort of mm. the minister's advisor. And it was yourself, Gabe, and it was Robin from Arts Law. And it was a couple of artists. It was Lisa, Lisa Wadigo came uh, from your board, yeah. and we had Jumba and Marawili from um, North East Arnhem Land, who's on the Prime Minister's Advisory Council, and we had Bundak Marika, who's now a board member of the Code, but at the time it was just because of Bundak and her family's long kind of relationship mm. with trying to do something about this that she was like, yep, yeah, I'm coming. Mm. So she came to Canberra as well, and... Yeah, and then that's when we started having more conversations with MPs. From that, within government, that they formed their own, I guess, committee or working group from within government to deal with something. Then, like Bibi said at Kayak, we had an overwhelming response mm. and we had a fake art harms culture postcard where we had a 1,000 postcards printed and I've had it confirmed from comms and arts that I think they've received over 700 of those postcards which were... Written, yeah, directed to the Prime Minister asking him to do something about the issue. Yeah. And it wasn't that long after those would have been received that the parliamentary inquiry was they announced. To let us know. They can view it as a campaign um, if 
they receive a lot. Oh, that's like a political campaign. We won't go back to everybody, but we're of the understanding that they are going to respond to everybody. And what in all of this that's happening, what role can we as individuals, as artists and art workers also play within this campaign? What are our responsibilities or could be? Make a submission. Mm. Yeah, do a submission. Yeah. And I know people are cynical around, you know, inquiries and will ever anything, you know, <coughs> result from that. But, you know, the more submissions that go in from people that understand what's going on and understand how wrong it is, they are going to have, you know, they're going to have to take notice or some notice Vol of it. Volume counts. Yeah, volume really counts. I mean, I think, really you know, Cabba's bill, the postcards, yeah. um, the copyright conversation that um, Copyright Agency Viz Copy put on NITV with the artists that Bibi mentioned or speaking about the yeah. importance of this campaign. I think all those things together actually meant they went, oh, we better do something about this. Yeah, so we've right. got to just keep <coughs> up that pressure and the volume. So make a submission. Because quite a lot's happened in, you know, that in a 12-month period, quite a lot's actually happened. So if we keep the pressure on, hopefully more can happen. I guess something that could be helpful from, you know, NAVA and your connections with all of the artists that you, you work with is that... You know, we work for organisations, whether it's the Indigenous Art Code, Copyright Agency, Arts mm. Law. We've got jobs to do. And yes, well, not Bibi, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> we're, we're non-Indigenous people working in these organisations as well. But we've got to do our job and it's making sure artists get a fair go. Mm. And there will be some people that are trying to... Um, it's a minority, but there's some vocal, you know, agitators. Oh, the fake art harms culture campaigns about telling Aboriginal people what they can and can't do. Mm. And it's not about that. It couldn't be further from mm. the truth. It's about trying to stop fake art. And if people want to throw red herrings out there and deflect and say, well, what oh, are they getting out of it? you know, what, why would you be saying that? So is that this isn't isolated to an issue that's just for artists that live in Central Australia. You know, this is, without saying artists' names, because I can't, you know, this is impacting artists all over the country and artists on the East Coast. And it's stealing, like it's actually stealing from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So it's theft and we need to do something to stop people exploiting a resource that doesn't belong to them. And this is where, the, you know, the ICIP comes into it, where the intellectual, you know, cultural intellectual property of Indigenous people and, um, and even to, you know, the human rights of Indigenous people, we have a right to try and protect our culture, but also none of these um, fake art has any connection whatsoever. So we've been ripped off. At the same time, we've been ripped off in, in a financial way because, you know, we, we, how can I say this? Our culture means everything because it's the law, but yet we're not covered under copyright law in this country in terms of ICIP because there's not a law. So this is why it's so important that, you know, we try and put a stop to the fake art because it is, it is harming our culture in such a big way. So please make a submission. Yeah, yeah, and, and Arts, and and arts, arts Front can make a submission Artists can make well. submissions and Arts Front have created a, like a web page yeah. to make it easier for artists to make yeah. a submission. 
Um, if people want to talk about making a submission, they can call us and we can talk them through it. But if they don't want to write a submission as well, they can just grab their iPhone or get somebody else to film them talking about it and that counts as a submission. Amazing. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the crooks, the people that are, uh, have been making money out of this business for a long time, they'll be mobilising and they'll be saying why they don't want the law to change. I mean, they'll look pretty silly, I think, but, you know. So you've got to make sure that you get in there and the artist's voice are heard. The process isn't really very easy and accessible for a lot of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists. Um, you know, and that's some feedback that probably needs to be given back to the committee about making, you know, if you're having a parliamentary inquiry about protecting the rights of um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists, then you should be having a process that is really accessible for them to participate in that conversation. Mm. Um, so I think I think that's an issue, but we don't want to take that issue, that to get in the way of people still, you know, using the mechanism that's on offer at the moment and still putting something in. And what other protocols or policies hey. exist um, Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. in um, this space that artists and arts workers should know about? Well, I mean, I guess all artists, you know, if you're an Aboriginal artist, yeah. sign up to the Art Code. It's for free. Sign up to Artists in the Black so you can get your free legal advice. That's right. Sign up to VizCopy so that you can get your licenses. Or at least go look at the useful yeah. information about managing your copyright on our website. Yeah, absolutely. I know 28 years ago when I started painting, I mean, I really had no clue of my rights and how, you know, and how I was going to be protected until obviously I, you know, kind of discovered that, well, hey, hang on a minute, I have got support. So if we're not out there advocating to the art, to other artists in the community, well, how are they going to know? So really, um, information is, is knowledge, and knowledge is power. So this is why it's important now to, um, you know, spread the word and, and, um, and pass it on, pass it on and get it out there. And if you think something you've been ripped off or something wrong's happened as well, like call call us and don't be embarrassed about it. Like so many people say, oh, I'm embarrassed I'm, that I even let this happen to me. I feel so silly and like don't feel embarrassed about it. It's not about whether you're an Aboriginal artist or a non-Indigenous artist, you know. Artists are often exploited and taken advantage of. And so just, you know, there is, there is help and there is assistance to do something about it. And I think too from you over, better be from looking overseas, like, I mean, for me personally, fighting a case in another country, I mean, what's happening internally here in this country now? I mean, they must be looking at us saying, what the hell's going on? Because it's so easy to take, as we were saying, the culture and, and produce fake art and make a hell of a lot of money out of it. So, you know, we really need to tell the world, no, 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 you can't touch it. You just cannot touch our culture. And um, and it's Australian culture. It's the oldest living culture on the planet. So why haven't we got protection in place? Well, that's why the... That's what I can't fathom. That's why those international initiatives that are happening at WIPO are so important Absolutely. and have been happening for such a long time at those yeah. intergovernmental committee meetings. And yeah. it takes a really long time for international law to, to take mm. effect. Mm. And there is a whole bunch of people, as you know, like 
um, spearheading that and then once once that gets <coughs> passed, whatever it is, a declaration, a treaty, um, then it'll eventually get get ratified and, and become yeah. implemented in Australian domestic law. But even our copyright law now, that there, there is no protection whatsoever, which is just a horrendous state. Like, but I look you're, you're looking at diametrically policy. opposed legal systems. Yeah. Diametrically opposed in every single possible fashion. 100%. And that's why in our submissions, mm. what we're, we're looking, okay, what, what does exist at the moment? Yeah. And, you know, the only place at the moment under Australian law where we feel like you can do something is the Australian Consumer Law around the misleading and deceptive conduct. But we don't believe that's strong enough at the moment either. So um, we will be recommending in our submissions that there's um, the Australian Consumer Law is amended and changed so that it's, it is misleading and deceptive to sell products like this. So if you look at these boomerangs... Um, now that's 100% made in Indonesia, right? But it says on the back Australian, it says handmade. It doesn't say handmade in Australia by an Aboriginal artist, you know, so there's ways around it so that you're not being misleading and deceptive. So this is the kind of stuff, at the moment, you probably wouldn't get, you wouldn't get done for this because it's not misleading and deceptive. Oh, but God, we, it makes you sick. But this is what we want. Oh, we do want the Australian oh, consumer law but the consumer to capture has to this. know as well. Yeah, but do they care? Oh, I think some do and some, do and some don't. Yeah. But that's people go, oh, you're just going to have better um, education for consumers and stuff. And you do need that. But unless there's a really strong deterrent, like a serious penalty, they'll keep doing it. So I wanted to show you guys this because this is a good... So you go and you buy this and it's a bit tattered now, the box, and it's... You know, it's got dot, dot, concentric circles, a bit of rock mixed in, you know. And that's what they all do. They mix the rock and the dots and... Is that a wandana? Uh, no. No, not this time, but that is... The wandana comes up. Not so much on the souvenir product. That's more non-Aboriginal artists. But something like this has zero connection to Aboriginal culture. The packaging, no, nobody's attributed on that. You don't know whose work it is. But it's, from it's got Australian, but it's, from the, dream but it's time. from the dream time. So the again, it's got the Australian made logo. You pull the mug out. It's not a copyright infringement because they haven't copied anyone's work. So to make this artwork, a graphic designer is again has just pulled some dots together, sent the design off to. Oh, look, this probably could have been printed and made in Australia, but even the bottom of the thing says Dream Time, authentic work in Indigenous art. This. We don't think you should be able to sell it. We don't think you should be able to sell a lot of this stuff. But this is just so obvious to say that start with this and get rid of this stuff and then it could have a flow-on effect. Authentic work of Indigenous art. Yeah. But, you know, that in contrast to this mug over here... And, like, you can still buy that at the airport, right? You can buy it everywhere. Circular key. Oh, yeah, the rocks. The rocks. Pick a shop. Come off the boats. It's right there. Even on the boat. Then in, con the in contrast, like this product is made in China, right? But it's licensed with the full authority of the artist. It's a superior kind of product when you feel it. The artist's name is on the actual object. The artist attributed on the packaging. There's story about the original artwork and a licensing fee gets paid to the artist.
Head to our website visualarts.net.au for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.